Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is the word of God. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. You may be seated. Good morning. Well, we are excited to be here and uh, just over, over thrilled. Honestly, just want to take a moment to say, uh, to share like um, this, this process that we're entering into and us coming here to Christ Church is an is a answer to a number of different prayers and longstanding kind of desires of the heart that we have had. So we're excited and looking forward to this. And I uh, just want to make a promise to you. One of the, one of the things that's a strong desire in me is I want to get to know each of you. I want to learn your stories. I want to learn uh, about you and who you are. And, and, uh, and so I'm praying over, over this transition period. We have time to do that and just excited about this opportunity. Um, so would you join with me in prayer? Uh, Father, we thank you more than anything for being who you are. Not for what you've done, but for who you are. So Lord, we praise you. We look to you. We trust in your mercy and in your love. And Father, more than anything else, I pray that your generous goodness would be on display uh, to us this morning. And it's in your son's great name we pray. Amen. All right, so I want to start this morning with a question. A question. What do we do when what we want or what we think we need clashes with what God asks of us? What do we do when what we want or what we think we need clashes with what God asks of us? This is an important question. And the reason is is we can only give up. We can only let go. We can only be kind of open-handed with the things in our life that we don't think that we're going to need. And so what I mean by this is, for example, if you're asked for something, what, what, what we typically do is we try and envision our future without that thing, without that person, without that opportunity, without that position, status, etc., And we ask ourselves, can I see myself living without it? Can I see myself without this possession? Can I see myself without this person in my life? Can I see myself without this job? Can I see myself without this relationship, without this hobby, without this comfort, without this status, without this sense of recognition that I get from this thing? Can I see myself without having this achievement in my life? Can I see myself without having this person's approval or acceptance of me? Can I see my life continuing to be fulfilling without having fulfilled this want or desire that I have? Make sense? And and maybe you found, (laughs) I'm laughing because this happens so much in my life, that Jesus has a way of asking you to let go of things and give up things that you think you have to have and things that you think you need. And so this is where I want to spend kind of 
the rest of our time together this morning is on this question of whether or not we believe God to be generous and good towards us. And if the generous goodness of God is something that figures prominently or not, and, and, and because when we, when we start wrestling with the question of what do I do with this thing that I feel like I need to have and I want it, and God, I feel like God's asking me to let go of this, to be open-handed with it, whether or not we believe God to be good and generous is going to play a major role in how you respond to those kinds of situations. So a couple things. First, if we believe God is good, it means that we also know that in his goodness, God wants good for us. Make sense? Like he's good and he wants good for us. Um, he's not here to rob us of life, but to what? To give it to us, to lead us into a life of joy, to lead us into a life of fulfillment, not to steer us away from those things. Jesus articulates this profoundly, I think, in John chapter 10, for example. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And then he says, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so believing that God is good and believing that God has a generous disposition towards us as his people means that we would believe that he is for us and he is for our joy and for our ultimate fulfillment in life. And second, because God is good, that means that we can trust him, right? If someone is good and they're for you, then you, you have a disposition of what? I'm going to trust you. And, and so if he's good, it means that we can, we can take him at his word, that when he asks us to let go of something, to give up something, that we're willing to trust him over our own, let's say, inclination, in, inclinations or, or thoughts or feelings, etc. cetera. Um, but if you're like me, you've all, we've all had the experience of being what? betrayed. We've all had our trust broken. And if you're like me, you've probably also broken the trust of others. And so that experience complicates it. So one example from my own life is that uh, I have permission to share this. So when Aaron and I were first dating, we were at this event, and I think it was actually like a, a church event. We were both kind of serving in ministry. And I can't remember if it was a birthday or something like that, but somebody had brought cake. And so we were getting ready to eat cake. And uh, I just happened to glance over, and I noticed that Erin has a piece of cake in her hand. And she has this particular look on her face. So I got a little bit suspicious, a little bit concerned. And as she started making her way closer to me, I started keeping some distance between us. And then as she started to increase her speed trying to get close to me, I started to increase my speed. And eventually, I'm at a full sprint running from her as she's chasing me with a piece of cake in her hand. And I was fast enough to stay away from her. And eventually, she's like, okay. She's like, I'm done. And I'm like, you know, I don't know if I trust you here. And she's like, I promise. She's like, I'm not going to do it. I was like, you're not going to do it? She's like, I'm not going to do it. I was like, okay, I'm going to trust you. She's like, I promise. Let's come on. Let's go back to the party. And as soon as I got close enough to her, guess, guess what she did? She smeared the cake all over my face and in my hair. It was all over me. And I remember just looking at her. I'm like, I, I was stunned, right? Total violation of my trust. I trusted you to not do what you've just done to me. And now I look like a pastry, right? I'm still healing. <laughs> and part of, that, part of that healing process was when we got married, I got to shove cake all over her face. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, that's probably a bad analogy. Revenge is not the path we should choose for healing in our life. But, <laughs> but, but I share this, silly, just a silly example, but there's more heavy things we could talk about where our trust has been violated. 
And there's probably some stories where each of us could share where we ourselves have been the ones who've broken trust in others and and have had to seek forgiveness and reconciliation as a result of that. So because of that, it kind of taints our experience in in, in regards to our own relationship with God, and so we end up struggling to trust him. And so that's what we're going to be kind of diving into this morning as we, as we, we go through this. And the reason it's important is because being a disciple of Jesus entails trusting him often in spite of ourselves. Trusting him in spite of what I think or what you think or, and trusting in his word and being willing to let go of those things in, in a posture of humility before him, believing that he knows better than we do. And, and there's times in life where what we think um, or feel conflicts with what God, God requires or asks of us. So, for example, you might be reading scripture and you come across this command and you're just like, oh, I don't, how, does that, how does that flesh out in this society right now? It doesn't feel right to me. What are you going to do with that? Or maybe you have like a, uh, just a conviction. You feel like God specifically is asking you to do something and it, and it just kind of rubs you maybe the wrong way. It's a little bit confusing. What are you going to do with that sense of conviction that the Spirit may be leading you to take a step of faith with? And how we view God is going to shape how we respond to these things. Because if we believe in God's generous goodness to us, then our disposition is going to be one of trust. We're going to be inclined to walk in humility and obedience to Christ when he calls us to step forward in faith. But if through woundedness or, or uh, suspicion or concern because of experiences in life, or because maybe, honestly, if you're, if you're just entering into this phase of being figuring out what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, it's, it's normal to go through a process of increasing levels of trust. And, and so you're working through this distrust and suspicion as God is helping you to understand his generous goodness and disposition towards you. But if we have these reservations, we're going to be inclined towards, nah, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll give this, maybe I won't. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna kind of be more, more inclined to waffle and, 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 and to, to want to hold tight to those things that God may be asking us to let go of. And so my goal for us this morning is to, is to demonstrate God's generous goodness towards us by looking at Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. And here Paul is referencing Christ's humility and, and, and in him coming, showing us a picture of Christ's love for us and dying and rising again on our behalf. And he's giving us an example of something that we're to emulate. Uh, and so a key theme in this text is obviously the humility of, of Christ, the service of Christ, the love of Christ that he has for his people. But another aspect of this is his loving and generous goodness towards us, I would say, as a motivator, as an example, a demonstration of his love, a demonstration of his generosity. And so that's the aspect that we're going to be focusing on this morning. And in the larger context, if you go from like verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 22 to chapter 2, verse 18, what we're seeing is Paul kind of exhorting us to live lives worthy of the gospel and then at the close of it there, moving into a section where he's then exhorting us to now walk in, in continued and increasing obedience to Christ as our Lord. And so in that, in that framework, what I'm hoping for us to do this morning is to see a picture of the generous goodness of God on display for us in Christ Jesus. And uh, when we see this, what we can begin to do is, 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 is increase our trust in him because of who he is, because of who he is. And his actions are a demonstration of his trustworthiness, if that makes any sense. All right, so you ready? All right, Philippians 2. Look with me back uh, in chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was, the, who was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, 
literally taking on the form of a slave, and being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here we, we get this picture in Christ of an unmatched expression of generosity. Um, so a couple things real quick. He says, he did not count equality with God a thing to be crassed, but he emptied himself, verses 6 and 7. And so this, uh, I like the way the NIV translate this. He says he didn't consider uh, what he had or who he was or his status as something to be used to his own advantage. And I, and I love that phrasing, and that's, that's kind of being conveyed in this word grasp. He didn't consider something to be grasped, and the word there kind of conveys this idea that he had some advantages that were him, they were inherent to who he was, and he didn't consider them something to be held onto, but rather to be given away to the benefit of others. And it talks about emptying himself, and so this idea that he has these privileges and status as God were something that he gave away. And so the NIV, I love the rendering there as well, it says he made himself nothing. And so what we see here is him being God means that he's truly deserving of what? All majesty, all glory, all honor, all renown, all recognition, and instead of using that for himself, he uses that as a means of what? Blessing his church. Divesting himself of those things so that we could be clothed in glory, so that we could be clothed in majesty, so that we could be raised and given recognition and honor. And then he also, um, and in light of all of this, Paul tells us uh, we're to have this mind. Like, he extols us to have this mind, this way of thinking, this pattern, and to pattern ourselves after Jesus in, in regards to how we see Jesus living and, and, and uh, operating out of this generosity and love. And so, from this, we can see that, that Jesus isn't trying to rob us of joy. He's not trying to steal life from us, but rather he's trying to do what? Give us life. Lead us into joy. Lead us into fulfillment. And so there's a real sense then when, when God is asking us or if Jesus is asking us to give away something, to give up on something, we're actually being invited into the life, into his, into his way of life. We're being invited into the pattern of living that he himself lives. Does this make sense? And so there's an invitation that's involved in this as well. But it's hard to give up on something when we think we need it or we think we deserve it. So who here remembers uh, another silly story? Who here remembers iPods? I hope there's somebody in here remember. Show me some hands so I don't feel like I'm like, okay, good, good, good. So I was a youth pastor a long time ago, and I had spent some time, this is before like cell phones and digital streaming music, and if you wanted to have like all your music with you, you had to have an iPod. And so I, so I saved up, and I got like the best one. And now you're going to think I'm silly, but it had the screen, and I could fit my entire music collection on it, and you could actually watch videos on it. And at the time, that was, that was like the thing. So I could like download videos and watch videos on my iPod. And the, re and the reason I wanted this thing is because I was going to take a group of high school students across the country. And if you're in a van with high school students, you want something in your ears, preferably that's enjoyable to listen to. So I, I had just got my iPod, driving, got in my ears. We get to the camp. And the first day of camp, we go into this kind of orientation and one of the key volunteers is there, and he starts kind of sharing the story, and, and, he, and he just, in passing, he's just like, yeah, we got here, this, that, and the other. And he's like, and unfortunately, my, my camera and my iPod got stolen. You know, I hear that, I'm like, man, that stinks. And then I, I hear this, like, if you want to call it the spirit, conviction, I just hear, hey, give me your iPod. 
And being the mature and godly man that I am, I said, no. That's my iPod. I worked really hard for that. I just, I just got it. I just took it out of the box before this trip. Give him my iPod. That's my iPod. I'm not giving him my iPod. And then, I, then you wouldn't have known, but if you looked at me, I'm having like this internal wrestling with, no, it's my iPod. I'm not giving him my iPod. So this first day of camp, I got like a week that I got to wrestle with all this. So the whole, the whole time we're there, God just wouldn't let up. And it wasn't like a mean-spirited, oppressive, it was just a simple, small kind of, you should give him your iPod. And the whole time, I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. And so we finally get to the end of camp, and I've been wrestling with it the whole week. And I throw up one of these kind of like Hail Mary prayers that you think there's no way it's going to get answered. And so I, I stack the decks. And here's what I mean. So it's a camp with hundreds of kids. It's always crazy busy. It's never, it's never, it's never without like this just kind of overwhelming sense of chaos and swarming of people. And so I, I woke up that morning and it was still wrestling with me. I said, all right, God, if this is you, I said, here's what we're going to, here's what we're going to, yeah, this insight into my own depravity. I was like, here's what we're going to do. I was like, if you want me to give him this iPod, I was like, you need to make it so that I see him and it's unawkward, meaning there's nobody else around. It's just him. It's just me and I can do it so nobody sees it happen and it doesn't make a scene, this, that, and the other. And then I, so I pick, I made, and then I, and then I went to leave without bringing my iPod. I was like, ah, oh. so I, I get it. I get all the wires. I shove it in my pocket and into my head. I'm thinking like, there's no way. So then I leave, and, and it was like the, the setup for one of those zombie apocalypse movies because there's no one. Like, there's nobody outside. There's no one anywhere on the camp, campus grounds. And I'm walking. I'm like, this is weird. And I come walking up to the, there was a door that we would always enter into to go into the cafeteria area. And guess who comes out the door as I'm coming up to the door? That guy. That guy. And I was just like, are you kidding me? So I was like, oh. And, I, and he went, and I almost, I almost let him walk past me. I'm not going to lie. I was like, almost. And I said, hey, hey, let me ask. I said, do you remember? And I just shared a quick story. Here's what happened. I said, and I just pulled out my pocket. I said, I just want to give this to you. And he's like, you can't. No, this is. And I said, no, it's, it's not mine now. It's yours. It's yours. And he's like, what? And I said, no, look, just take it. It's yours. And then. In that moment, I had this incredible, I wasn't grieving, I wasn't, I didn't have a sense of loss, I just had this overwhelming sense of joy and freedom. And I wanted to just, like, I just wanted to come out of my skin and praise God, and, and I just had this overwhelming sense of God's pleasure in me, and this, just the pleasure in being able to bless somebody in a very simple way. And it's funny how that works, and we actually see this pattern kind of on display in, in Philippians, where in giving up and in letting go of the things that we think are going to bring us life, we're actually led into a deeper understanding and appreciation of what life actually is in God. And so Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this is the paradox of the cross, that in dying to self and living for God, we actually find life and joy and fulfillment. And letting go of the things we cling to, we find what it is we're actually looking for. And those things are found in God alone. Now, Jesus is obviously an, an unparalleled example in this regard. Like, he's being raised and exalted in glory because 
He's the son of God who came, lived, and died, and rose again on our behalf. And so in that, in that sense, his, his, his exaltation is very distinct and different from ours. But the pattern, I think, is one that's exemplary for us in the sense that there is a reality to when we choose to walk in humble obedience, letting go of things, dying to self, that there is, there is a blessing that we experience. Maybe you've experienced that. Like you finally let go, you finally give away, you finally have that conversation, you finally step forward in faith and walk in obedience, and you experience the, the pleasure of the Father, and you experience the joy of the Spirit welling up in you from conforming your life to the pattern of Christ. Anybody? Amen? Amen. Amen. But we're only going to walk that walk if we actually believe that God is good and he wants for our best. Otherwise, we're always going to be second-guessing and pushing back against those seasons and times where God is asking us to let go or to take a step of faith. And we're going to miss out on much of the joy and life that the Spirit wants to bring into our lives as his disciples. So what about you this morning? Do you believe that God is good? As we've started this kind of process together, is there something that right now you would say, yeah, I can, I can feel or I sense that maybe God's been kind of pressing in on me to, to give this up, to let it go, to turn away from. And yeah, I recognize I think I need this or I deserve this or I want this. But if I'm honest, I feel like God's kind of trying to, let, get, trying to get me to be a little more open-handed with it. And so if so, what would it look like for you to trust God over your own faulty desires? What would that look like for you this morning, this week, this month? So our brother and apostle Paul exhorts us to walk in obedience, to humble ourselves and to trust in the generous goodness of God and to humbly submit ourselves to him. And so Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so there's way more uh, going on in this text that we have time to unpack today in this moment. What we see is Paul exhorting us to obedience, to recognize the Spirit's work in us that's seeking to work through us to bring us to conformity to Christ so that in doing so, we might as well, just as Christ is, be a blessing to others as we die to self and live our lives as servants who are sacrificing for the benefit and blessing of others. And in that experience of dying to self, and living for Christ and others as servants, what we begin to experience is what? The infilling of the Spirit's joy and the pleasure of the Father and the increasing conformity of our own lives after the pattern of Christ. And so if we know that God is good and has generously given us all things, that we'll do what? We're going to trust him. We're not going to fall prey to the oldest lie of the serpent, and that's what? That God is holding out on us. You go back to Genesis 3 and you read, what's he say? He says, no, 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 listen. The reason God said not to eat of this is because if you do, you'll become like him. What's he do? What's the lie? God's holding out on you. God, God's not giving you all that you deserve or all that you should have. And that's just, that's, that's the lie from the beginning. When God's disposition towards us as his people is one of generous goodness. That's his posture. If we trust God, and if we believe in his goodness and generosity, then we can give, we can let go of, we can be open-handed with whatever it is that he asks of us. 
even if we don't understand the why or the what for in the moment right now. Our trust in him is what enables us to see kind of past or through the things that we think we need to have in this life. Now, I'm not saying that makes it easy, but I am saying that when we begin to wrap our heads around God's generous goodness and we see that for who he truly is and we understand that that is his disposition towards us, then obedience is not burdensome. Obedience becomes something that is a joyful expression of our loving relationship that we have with God. And so, for example, remember that, um, remember that iPod that was so important to me? Who even has an iPod anymore? Now, it's a silly example, but I think it, I think it drives home the point because Oftentimes, maybe you've had this experience, that thing you thought was so critical, so important, that relationship, that experience, that achievement, that position, that whatever, right, that you thought was so critical and so important, you finally wrestled through, you let go, and you're kind of down, you know, you're downstream from it, and you look back, and you kind of shake your head going, why was that so hard to let go of? And I look back now, and the wrestling that I went through with that iPod, and I'm like, if I, even if I'd have kept it, I'd have ended up throwing it away eventually. And how tragic is that? That something I myself would have discarded at some point. I would have clung to in a, in a spirit of selfishness and disobedience towards my, my loving father, right, and my elder brother Christ who wants me to experience joy in life. I would have clung to that to throw it away myself at some point in the future. But I was blessed with the opportunity to what? Give it away as a blessing to somebody else. And I can look back now saying, the iPod meant nothing, but being used by God to bless somebody, I treasure that memory. So maybe you've got similar experiences. We resist and run from God's word and refuse to give up on something because we're clinging too much to what we think we need. Right? But if we believe that God is good, then we have, to, we have to be more open-handed. And so my question for us this morning is, and for you, for me, is are we going to trust ourselves or are we going to trust in the generous goodness of God? And when we look in this story in Philippians, we see Jesus displaying for us, making through an example of his own life, how loving and good and kind and gracious and generous that he actually is towards us. So what are you holding on to this morning? What are you clinging to? What might the giver of all good things be asking you to let go of, to give up, to be more open-handed with this morning? Is the Lord inviting you to give up or give something away, but you're resisting some possession, some person, some job, some relationship, some hobby, something that brings you comfort, some sense of status or recognition or achievement that either you have and you're trying to maintain or you're striving after to obtain? some person's approval, acceptance, or embrace, or maybe some internal want or desire that you have. And maybe there's been some wrestling and some tension between you and God in relationship to that thing. So what would it look like for you to turn away from yourself and look to the goodness of God, the generosity of God, to see in Christ the pattern which we're all called to walk in, but also see in Christ an exemplary example I think I just used that word twice. Uh, an exemplary example of generosity and love for you, for you as his disciples and his, and his brothers and sisters 
and for us as well as adopted children in the family of God. Perhaps the Lord's inviting you to trust him for the very first time this morning. Maybe that's the thing you're wrestling with. Maybe you're here just kind of kicking the tires on this whole Jesus thing. You wandered in here this morning, right? And you're like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm searching this thing out. Maybe it's been th- something that's been wrestling in, in your heart and in your mind for a long time. Like maybe, maybe he's asking you to, to finally just kind of turn a corner and take that first step of trust and entrusting yourself over, over to his generous goodness and love towards you. And so I would, I would implore you to cast your worries, your fears, and needs upon him to turn from your sin, to turn from self-reliance, and look to Jesus as the shepherd of your soul, and to trust in him as Savior and Lord, and to recognize that he's generous, he's good, he's kind, he's loving, he's compassionate, he's merciful. And all things that we all seek for and strive after in this life are actually found in him and in him alone. And his desire is actually to give those things to us, maybe not in the ways that we all think we want them or need them, but rather to give us life and to lead us into into a life of joy and fulfillment that is beyond um, our wildest dreams. So if that's something that the Spirit is at work in you, or if, if that's something that the Spirit is working in you this morning, whether it's to let go of something or to cast yourself upon Christ for the very first time, then I would say then let go and trust Him. Cast yourself upon the generous goodness of Jesus Christ your Lord and rest in His goodness and mercy to you. Let's pray. Father, we love you, we praise you. Jesus, we ask that through your spirit, you would be turning our hearts to you. Lord, if there are any here of us this morning who are wrestling in the tension of whether or not we can trust you, may, may your spirit Im- implore, or rather impose, or, or just in, in fill us with a sense of peace and confidence that we can trust you. We can lay down our arms, we can let go, we can, we can hold loosely, we can give up, we can give away. You are the true and good shepherd. You didn't came to rob us of life, but rather to give it. And so may we trust you, and may we humble ourselves before you. And may more than anything else, our lives bring you glory and honor. And it's in your great name we pray. Amen.